Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming here for the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh, we've got a great episode today. We have Margie Feldman, the co-owner of Interview Connections, the first leading podcast book agency in the entire country, and it happens to be based here right in Rhode Island. Um, so this is this is really great. I met Margie a few years back, actually, when her, her partner, Jessica Rhodes, was on this very podcast as a guest a few years back at their old office, and then... Margie is one of those people that, uh, you know, we met, got along, and then we followed, I follow her on Instagram and stuff. And one of the great things about the interview connections, whereas like someone like me, who is not an entrepreneur or, you know, uh, uh, or anything like that, uh, they just, Jessica and Margie have really good Instagram stories, to be quite honest. So I just kept following and then eventually follow each other's personal accounts. And then we'd bump into each other. I remember um, bumping into Margie at, we saw... Uh, me and a uh, friend of the show and Pascat Snace Peavy saw her, bumped into her Margie. Uh, who did we? See? Oh, Maria Bamford. We saw, bumped into her at Maria Bamford at uh, the Columbus Theater. So uh, Margie and I just got along, and then it turned out that she's also a fellow EMDR therapy goer as well. So you know, we're just a couple. Something I'm kind of learning from the podcast is I, I and I guess life is I tend to connect with people, especially over traumas. With something about that just pulls us all in. So I was so happy to talk to Margie because the way things have gone, uh, interview connections, I, who I absolutely adore, just wasn't entrepreneurs and the business things. It's something I've always kind of steered away from and didn't maybe I didn't like it or feel uncomfortable. I don't I don't know. But the fact that we had a chance to like. I, I, the thing I like about Jessica and Margie is like they just seem like really nice people who do really cool stuff. And I got to tell you, I learned so much from Margie in this episode and made me really kind of rethink a lot of things about uh, entrepreneurship and business and money and all sorts of things. And Margie said something that when we recorded this, it has stuck out to me since then. She said something about like along the lines, uh, I haven't edited the episode yet, so I'm trying to paraphrasing, but something along the lines that we need more good people to make money. And then use that money to do good things. Like uh, she uses uh, the money she made, she makes to adopt a, a disabled dog, Harold, who also has his own account on Instagram, who's adorable. Uh, so really fun episode. I can't thank you enough, Margie, for coming on. We'll definitely someone we'll have to have back on in this pot for sure. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do this in person when things get a little more normal. And uh, oh, shout out uh, Nate Peavy, that who I referenced before. Uh, some years later, he actually. Now he's been working there for a long time. Uh, Nate's a dear friend, and he's been working for Interview Connections for a while as well. So it's not only so cool that this podcast booking agency, the first in the country, started, and it started in Rhode Island, and now our industry has actually grown so much more, and there's others. And uh, it's there's just something nice about seeing people who are doing the good work be good people as well. So that was so much fun. Uh, a little housekeeping on our end before we get to the episode. Um, we want to welcome aboard our newest member to the Let's Chat producers team, Mike Schwartz. Mike Schwartz is going to be taking over as our head of business development. I know. Things are happening really fast. I cannot thank the team enough. Uh, Chris Ball, head of fan engagement. Will Forcer, production designer. Bree Benjamin, producer and project manager, and then me, you know, I'm the host and producer and all that shit. I uh, couldn't do it without all of you. Please check out the website that Bree had put in uh, tons and tons of hours of her life making, and we absolutely love it. Let's chat podcast.net. You can find everything right there. We'll have links to this episode, all the other show notes, all that good stuff. Make sure you, um, let's see, last thing. Okay, I was also a guest on. I'm also a recent guest on a podcast called the So Jersey Podcast. And at this moment, it's only available on SoundCloud. I know that will be changing soon. 
this is a really special podcast episode for me. Uh, I was born with a heart condition and survived. And because of that, I had gone to a couple different summer camps for kids with heart conditions. In 1999, when I was 14, I went to Hope with Heart. And, and this year it was in um, whatever town Vassar College is in upstate New York, <coughs> somewhere in the Hudson Valley. Went to the summer camp. I was 14 and Eric was nine. And that is when we met. And we've been friends ever since. And we get real into it and how we know each other and this really bizarre way and how much we're much alike and um this is eric i'm the first episode on his podcast so it was fucking it's fucking crazy for me eric's got his own crazy own personal story he shares on it he's in recovery you know both of us have heart conditions uh you know we would see each other one you know what listen to the episode if you want to hear a couple of people who know each other bound by uh uh loss of, of uh both having heart con- i don't know it's a, it's a really great episode, so I'm really excited for Eric to see what he does going forward. We'll definitely get him on here at some point. Uh, so make sure you can find us on the social media at Let's Chat Podcast on all the things, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can check us out on Spotify now. We have some really fun Spotify playlists we've been making. And make sure you follow Margie uh, Feldman online. You know what? Interviewconnections.com, everything you need. Follow her on Instagram if you like good Insta stories and really cute videos of dogs. Um, anyway, what a what a treat. Let's get to it. excited to talk to you because I've been following uh, you have quite the uh, insta presence and um from knowing from like the little bit and you know our our, our mutual friend and Nate uh Mr. Peavy which mm-hmm. I, do you think he have he's going to feel pressure as both a friend as an employee to listen to this or do you think he's just going to do the I'm too cool I I hope so I I yeah. hope he feels so much pressure <laughs> I'm yeah just he's like god Chris fucking leave me alone man just leave me alone <laughs> so so I'm so curious because you have, um, I guess now it's a little bit considered more normal of a job because it's such a new industry. It's such a new field. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I interviewed your, at that time, uh, now now you're co-owner, but at the time we had first met when I interviewed, when uh, Jess came on, wow, a few years ago, time goes by quick. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm curious to kind of, really curious about like what your path was from, and from like the pieces I know about you to how you kind of became an unintentional leader in the podcast industry. Well, but then also someone who's also a big fan of comedy and EMDR therapy. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I, I want to make sure we start with the interview connection stuff. Cause let's make sure we don't like get to the end. Cause sometimes that happens and people forget to plug stuff. Um, what's, what, what is your journey to get to like the abridged version of how you ended up becoming the co-owner of interview connections? So in 2016, I was living in Colorado and I wanted to work remotely because I didn't want to leave the house anymore. <laughs> I don't have four wheel drive and it was very snowy in Colorado. And oh. I, I had gotten the jobs in Colorado Springs where I was living. It's a very conservative place. 
and I didn't like it. I didn't like the, the work environments. They were really religious and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not like someone who thinks religion should really be at work. Um, so there was just a lot of reasons that I wanted to work remotely and work from home. And then I saw Jess posting that she was hiring like $15 an hour contract booking agents. And I was like, perfect. I had worked with Jess at a previous job um, doing door-to-door -door fundraising for Clean Water Action. And that's how we knew each other. And then we reconnected when my dad died because she adopted his cat. And that's why like algorithm wise, I was even seeing her Facebook post. And I was like, great. She already knew me. She already knew I was a good salesperson and a hard worker. And so 2016, I became a contract booking agent. I moved back to Rhode Island, not for work-related reasons, but it ended up working out because then I became the first employee at the beginning of 2017. And luckily, I was a Rhode Island resident and it was a a business registered in Rhode Island. Otherwise that wouldn't have worked out. And then in 2018, I went from first employee to 50% co-owner at my first one year review. Wow. Uh, that's so cool. And um, that's, so that's so fascinating. So I, I think I joked about this online too, but like you and Jessica seem to have a bit of an Ann Perkins, Leslie, no relationship. <laughs> I think it's been common. Yes. Because like yes. Ge generally speaking, like I don't really, maybe at, maybe at that time, maybe now a little more so, but like, entrepreneurial like that whole like the world that you two are like kind of running was never something that uh i don't it would have never been really been something that would have come on my radar but you just both had really good insta stories to be quite honest like you're doing it, you're both very just naturally engaging people and I, I know you've probably built on that since then too but it just seemed like a very natural thing that like uh, but i'm sure you can sense it too like that would just just with anyone when it doesn't feel forced like it's natural and authentic i, I kind of get that sense from you too and um it, it draws people in and then of course you two are smarter than i am and you're like well we can also make money so <laughs> thank you so much that's so nice uh, uh, bravo on that part but that's so cool now was that when you went to school i think we're probably within similar age-ish range like when i was in college I remember I was in the college radio station and was trying to convince them to invest in this new thing called podcast so people could listen outside of a few. So this is like, Oh eight. So that's how much things have changed in like 12 years. So like, yeah, my guess is you didn't go to college to become a, a co-owner of a booking agency for an industry for a medium that didn't exist 12 years ago, 13 years ago. No, definitely not. I went to URI um, university of Rhode Island. I graduated 2011 and I was a double major in, um, art and classical studies. So I was studying Latin and also primarily painting. So I like thought I was going to be an, an artist, like a painter. Um, and then very quickly realized that <laughs> that's really not easy to do. And I, I just didn't have the motivation to work alone like that for hours and hours on paintings. And you need that motivation. And I just... I didn't like it. So I, that's how I ended up working at Clean Water Action doing door-to-door -door fundraising because I couldn't get a job. So I found this job on Craigslist that has huge turnover because obviously it's really challenging to be knocking on people's doors. And that ended up working out. But no, I never, I didn't even really know that much about podcasts in 2016 when I went for the job. I just wanted to work in sweatpants from home. I had only listened to cereal. <laughs> at that point. And now all you can do is work from home in sweatpants. So funny how yes. that worked out. Uh, I know. <laughs> no, so um, I know when we were talking online, because the, the, the meat of it is you're probably the only other person I think I've ever talked to outside of maybe like my therapist, who's um, actually done EMDR therapy. So it's like super exciting for me. Um, 
So is is yours is yours? I don't want to just guess your story. What was your path to act to lead you to it? Like, were you aware of what it was when you were first there? Like my, my version of it is like the abridged version. Is like uh, my wife had a very traumatic birth, let a lot of bad shit happen that day. And following year, I ended up having PTSD. I had a great therapist. My insurance, uh, my company changed. So I had to switch. I did some therapist shopping and just by completely by unintentional accident, I walked in and to the person I see at Wellness Rhode Island and they explained what it was. And I'm like, oh, it sounds like bullshit, but whatever. And it changed my life entirely. I just really trusted this particular person. I, I never heard of it. And I work in the field because it's still, so it was interesting. So was it something you sought out? I did seek it out. I only heard about it because I was, I had moved to Colorado to be with my partner at the time who was getting a PhD in clinical psychology. And Colorado Springs is a huge military town. So that's how I learned about it because they use it for PTSD um, with people in the military. And I said the same thing. I thought it sounded like bullshit. I literally remember being in an Uber with my partner at the time and he was talking about like tones in your ears or like back and forth and curing PTSD. And I was like, what are you talking about? And, and he was kind of out there anyway. So it's just like, okay. But I learned more about it and really just from hearing about it, learning about it from the other people in that PhD program who are studying psychology, I Googled it and was surprised at how legitimate it was online, that it really does work. Um, So when I moved back to Rhode Island, I finally realized that I really needed to like some real hands-on therapy, not just talk therapy, because in 2015, my dad had died by suicide very suddenly. I mean, it's always a shock, but there was really like no warning. And it's, oh, thank you. But it started this chain of events of like, he was a really successful lawyer and a great guy, but he was also a hoarder. And so I had to, I was living in Taiwan at the time. I get a Skype call that my dad, and I'm an only child, I'm really close to my parents, has just died by suicide. So my life fell apart. I moved home to Rhode Island in 2015 to deal with all the stuff that happens when someone dies suddenly and all the loose ends. And then I had to clean this gigantic six bedroom hoarded house and figure out how you do that and how you get a dumpster and who you need to hire. And it was this crazy experience. And I really, I didn't really process what had happened with my dad because I threw myself into all the projects that needed to be handled. And then when I got to Colorado, after five months of working every day, just cleaning the house, I realized that I had all this unprocessed trauma and was basically in like fight or flight for like almost a year without realizing it because I didn't really know about the nervous system. So I was like a total nutcase and I didn't really know what was going on. By the time I had moved back to Rhode Island, I I was like, I need like a really good therapist. And I had learned a little bit about the levels of EMDR and like that the highest level I think is like a consultant who can train other therapists. So I was like, I need, I need the big guns. Like I am messed up. So I went on psychology today and searched and found someone who was a consultant level and she's was incredible. Yeah. Um, and it's so hard to explain. Um, I'm curious for you of like, what were, did you feel like that big seismic shift as well on your, on the inside, like at your core? Like, cause for me about, it took about a year. I completed mine in about a year. I still see the same therapist, but now we're just kind of off doing 
it, we're, I don't know, we're doing some weird shit, but it's, um, it's <laughs> but, but, but uh, like, um, it just, it works really fast. Like I, I walked in at like a 10, that first session that I had and then walked out at like a three. And the, the only reason I think I was still at a three is because I just couldn't believe that the 10 was gone. And I, yeah. It felt like physically. I felt physically different. I feel I, even now, like I'll still feel like taller and like lighter when things are going well. Like it's, I don't. It's such an odd, odd, odd fucking thing. Have, did you have any cool visions or like cool shit? That's a good question. Cool visions. So I did feel like it happened pretty fast. I, I, someone. It might have been my therapist described it as like rather than kind of like working on the problem above ground, you're just kind of ripping it out at the root. And that really is what it felt like. As far as cool visions, I don't know if this is like relevant, but I did have kind of a vision because I was so like in fight or flight and so crazed and I'm like a high achiever and I definitely go into that when I'm like trying not to deal with things. I'll just be like hyper fixing things. So the image that I got was sort of like, this structure I had built of all this like anger and anxiety and productivity, but like being kind of underneath that structure in like a pool of water, (laughs) just like floating in it. And it was like, it was grief. I mean, it was sad, but it wasn't like suffering sadness. It was kind of beautiful. And I could just like relax into it underneath this crazy structure of bullshit that I had built in my kind of like frantic anxiety. Yeah. Oh my God. It's funny. Cause, cause it's like, we talk, I talk, we talk about this like a lot of clients. Cause like, you know, anxiety is just energy. So it could also be like, and you hear this a lot for the people like bipolar disorder uh, who are like the highs are, are, I mean, Hey, it's fucking really fun, but it is, it's a superpower and you can accomplish so much, but the problem is the crash. And yeah. And I, I, I've, I've kind of led to that too. Like I noticed like when I'm, was dealing with other problems prior in life like now looking back like oh I was doing so good in this thing outwardly because I was just like I don't want to feel anything and yeah. you know people it's either sex or it's food or it's drugs or it's alcohol or if it's achievement or whatever it is and it's but you know a lot, some of those things could be very beneficial too because like I mean you have a great career because of, of that superpower now and it seems that thankfully the self-care aspect that you're able to handle simultaneously is when you mm-hmm. start to learn it but that's crazy I had some for people who may I'll explain a little better in the intro as well if you don't know some of it so a lot of it feels like very much I've always explained it it's like having like a lucid dream where you're in control but you're kind of not it's it's the closest to a hallucination you can really have without doing any sort of like um like who like a micro dosing or like psilocybin or like uh, acid or something like that which I'm not sure have you ever watched the mind explained on Netflix no I really recommend it it is they have a whole series called Explain. There's one called The Mind Explains. It's a six-part documentary series narrated by Emma Stone. It's like very informative, but also really, really entertaining. But they do a whole episode about psychedelics with like microdosing mm-hmm. and stuff. And from what my therapist was telling me, um, he's like EMDR therapy, my, uh, microdosing, hypnosis, uh, meditation. I think there might be one more. Are, are all lighting up the same part of the brain of essentially like microdosing it's fun. I mean, I think it sounds cool. There's not enough research to really show that it works for the long term. Like, there, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not against it. So this needs some more studies. But you can get the same effects of like people who are doing like psilocybin, like microdosing through EMDR therapy without actually having to take any drugs. It's all just a way to access the subconscious. And then like, and and 
hypnotist i i never really understood hypnotist. now i'm starting to read more about it and be like okay it's not what i really thought it was it's not just the that silly stuff like that whole thing but i i think you would really enjoy it, it it's cool it has this really uh, great explanation about brain waves as like as your thought patterns are like a ski slope and when you go skiing the snow gets pounded down and your thoughts just kind of go in these patterns and what doing this does is just putting on some fresh snow over uh the over the pattern and then you're basically like reconnecting your neurons it's it's really fun because emdr it's like it could be i'm not like a i used to be a hardcore asshole atheist but now i'm not and this is like a decade plus ago so that's very long ago uh and it's the closest thing to a spiritual experience i've ever had without being and i'm not spiritual but i'm like still still like afraid to say it but like there's been some like really i've had some moments that were like I don't know, like stuff like that monks talk about. Like, yeah. That like, I, don't know, I was trying to explain, I was trying to, one of the explanations is like, you know when you're on a trampoline and you jump and you land, but there's usually, there's this like half second, in bet- like on community, the joke is like in between time in space. And it's fun. I had this one EMDR session that literally felt like that. It felt like it went forever. Like it felt like there was no time. I was fully in control. I was watching my, my thoughts, but it felt like 12 hours had gone by and it was like 40 seconds. That's crazy. So could you tell me more about like what EMDR was for you? Because I know there's a few different ways that they do it. Yeah. So I'd be interested in what, what you did. Same as well. Same for you as well. Cause my therapist has now told me that he's like, he's like telling me, he's like, yeah, we kind of, I didn't, he now has told me it's, we went very untraditional and he kind of did his own version, but we did for the long time. It was the tappers. Did you do that where you hold the tappers and then like you like picture like a vision or a thing and then you shut your eyes and then the, the buzzers go and you kind of like have those guided like thoughts kind of. Yes, I've done that one in Colorado. And then with my therapist in Rhode Island, she did mostly like the simple, like really just like following her hand yeah. with like eye movement. She was, we she actually, did like a, a simplified version. We just started doing that too. We're now we're doing one where it's like, it's kind of, it's tough. You have to like get someone prepared to feel safe and all that stuff. the one now we're doing this thing where i think it sounds like a little more experimental and like you know i agreed to it and all that but like it's like like the last time i was there we like and that was i was on the video phone because of everything that happened so it was basically he had to get me as raw and as scared as feel as horrible as i humanly could like we had to find those deep fears because the the virus couple of weeks are really really hard and um he like moves his hands around like this a lot and like you're following stuff and then he'll start like slapping his leg or just start Mm -hmm. yelling out like random words and the way he explained it to me is that like um it's about concentration of thought is like a memory is all being held right here like say this part of your brain and then you're walking and then these like slaps and those little things that take you out of it it takes the memory all the other parts of the brain have to light up and it they the some of the theory that is still unproven uh, or still being tested is that the idea is that it's actually taking your memory. There's different theories of why EMDR works. We still don't know why, but one of the theories is it is taking your memory and actually weaking it. So like if it's a trauma, it's mm-hmm. all say, say, saying like right here in the front of your head, I mean, it would actually technically be back here, but still. And then, but by doing that, I don't know. It's just so weird. It's like, in, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, I remember coming out of it about three months into it being like, maybe there is a God because... <laughs> Because I don't know anymore. 
Yeah, I, I've definitely, I relate to you so much and especially being like an asshole atheist. Like I have, I was for most of my life to the point where I was like way too far, like kind of thinking people were stupid if they were anything but an atheist and being really judgmental. But I have really come around like since my dad died and doing EMDR, but like, and I'm not, I still would not use the word God. That would make me really uncomfortable, but like- Same. It is, there is something that soothes anxiety so well to just like be even open to the idea that everything that happens, you don't have to make happen. And that like, you might not be the highest power in your life. Like there's something bigger. And that could even just be being part of the bigger ecosystem of the planet, you know, and like tapping into that. But like sure. doing that in some way, it really is helpful, but I'm also, I'm kind of begrudging about it and I'm so hesitant to like say it out loud. Same here. A hundred percent. It's probably the only time I've ever said it on microphone. Like, I I had this one session that I still, I'll I'll never forget it for the rest of my life, but it was, I I don't know. Did you happen to, I'm going to guess, did you happen to watch The Good Place? No. Wow. I've heard of it. You're you're gonna have to watch it. It's incredible. Okay. But the the series finale like decimated me. Like just it had a very EMD. It was very beautiful about like it's very Buddhist. Ended up being coming. Ended up being very Buddhist. Very good. But um, I had the session of like kind of what you hear monks talk about spending like years of their life. It's this blah, blah like yeah. Here I talk about Buddhism. Blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, but like, but I had this like EMDR session where it was like. Yeah, I, I literally felt nothing. I didn't think. I, I was literally just pause. It was the most purest form of consciousness I've ever had. But like Simon, I, I still can't really explain it. And I've also had these other ones where like they felt, and a lot of them were usually really fun, but the, these are the more the highlights. I had this one. So I was born with a heart condition, uh, which turned out had a lot more effect on me than I realized through EMDR therapy. But I had this like EMDR session where we were doing the tappers. So it was like very much a dream, like, session where it was me as an adult at the NICU, but it was the NICU where my daughter was born, but it was me in the NICU and it was all of my family and even people who are now dead, like my grandparents and stuff like that. But at the age they were when I was born and I've never seen photos of it. I, I don't know. And it was me walking around the room. I'm going to get getting choked up even thinking about it. It was so amazing, but I like walked around the room and hugged and like kissed every one of my family members and like told them like the future of what happens and like, it's going to be okay. It was really cool. And that like, and then like, it's not just having those things. And then you come out of that and just whatever thing I was there to work on had nothing a to do with that or what I realized. And all of a sudden I was just like, I just feel better. And, That's amazing. Um, and do you, th- now I'm curious, do you think you would have had, what's your time frame of doing interview connections to EMDR? Are those simultaneous? Yeah, they actually are pretty simultaneous. Like there was a lot. So I was doing a lot of, I got really into like personal development, more like Buddhist type personal development, like the power of now, like that type of mindfulness I really like. So I had gotten really into that when I was maybe like 19 or 20, just because I had such bad depression and anxiety and OCD that it was like really for the relief Um, And then finding those moments of like being present and focusing on your breath and actually getting that relief of being in the present moment for a little bit until it goes away. But um, I had gotten really into that. So yeah, it really did coincide with not just um, EMDR, but the other personal development stuff I was doing because I moved back. I was working as a contractor when I moved back to Rhode Island 
and found my EMDR therapist. And then it was 2017 where I was in EMDR therapy with her. And 2017 was also a huge year for the business because we got rid of like 10 virtual contractors who were all over the world and hired in-house employees, which was like an incredible undertaking. And Jess and me like being partners was really built on that year because we were so in it together. And even though I was technically an employee, we were like partners the whole time. Like we were in it, figuring it out, dealing with the challenges. It was an incredibly challenging year. And I do think EMDR played a big part in how I was able to show up and how I was able to perform and problem solve and meet those challenges and really be in it with Jess to the point where at the end of the year, when it was my one year review and I did, I negotiated, I did like, I wanted 50% equity. I wanted to be a business owner. I realized I was not an employee. I was an entrepreneur and I just would always be that way. Um, it, it wouldn't have been a valid ask if that year hadn't happened. And if I hadn't done the personal development and the EMDR to be able to show up like that and to be yeah. so valuable to business. No, I, I mean, it's, it's very much like, um, are you a Brene Brown fan? Yes. Like I, it makes sense. Like when I, as you're saying all that, it's like, that's why companies hire her because there's so much of like this view of the world, especially with this in like various culture or whatever, that like somehow this is wussy stuff. You don't do that, blah, 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 blah. But it, I mean, at least on, I've, I've become a better husband. I've become a better father. I've become a better employee. I've finally like this hobby I had been doing for as long as I have and putting all this effort into, like it really changed the way I even did this. I like, it, I, I guess the, the, I kept, I keep like leaning back to like, I guess confidence is the word I would use, but I guess it's just like believing in yourself. Like, do you, I wonder if your career path would have been what it was if you weren't able, probably wouldn't be because like A, you're able A, to show up to do the work, but you're also able to go home and do the self care so you can come back and do the work tomorrow. Yeah, no, I don't think it would have been what it, what it is without the personal development in the EMDR because so much too of your success is like how you are to be around. Like when other people feel good when they're around you, when they feel good knowing you're in charge of something, that is the biggest predictor to your career trajectory more than any type of technical skill. And it's something that can be hard to like pinpoint or describe or say, this is how you be this way to get a promotion. But when you do that deep personal work and you have that, the confidence that comes not from like, kind of like, I'm going to be more confident. I'm going to, and like trying, but comes from actually doing the deep work. So you have that strong foundation of, you know, who you are that you're standing on. People really resonate with that. And there are so many opportunities just from showing up like that yeah. personally and professionally. And I've tried very hard to get uh, Nate Peavy. I'm gonna call him out for like uh, get some get some some uh, some dirt to like, but nothing. He had nothing but wonderful things to say about working for working there. And and I'm not just. I mean, I mean, how long has he been there now? A couple years. A, couple, a few years. Yeah, he's like, the best. I, I yeah, I actually met him from doing. He was friends with my old co-host. That's how we met. He was the first friend I made in Rhode Island when I moved here that wasn't through like work, and that's cool. how we met. But uh, but but. I mean, the thing, him and I had that kind of in common too. Like at one point we were both baristas and like floating and trying to figure ourselves out. And I remember like when he got that job, like that moment for him, but like, but my point, my circle back to that was um, him and I have that, maybe that thing in common where like, I'm not just going to stay at a job if I'm not happy. And I think him and yeah. I both seem to have that in, in, in common. 
So, I mean, people who work for you work there for a long time and you both seem to actually give a shit about your employees, but I would like to hear more about personal development because see so many things I feel like I shut myself off of because I just didn't like it. So like, I just didn't like woo woo world. I didn't like, I'm sure you get into why. Like I always like Gwyneth Paltrow or like Tony Robbins or like those types of things. And not saying that's what personal development is, but for whatever reason, those kind of things would for whatever, always rub me the wrong way. But I think I'm now finally at a point in my life, like, cause like, I mean, the, the real, the dream is to make this the career or something podcast industry related. Uh, but I'm now like kind of more open to those things. I'm curious, like for someone, I think, I know, I'm such a, a mo- like a lightning rod for emotional connection. So like, if I don't connect with the person with whatever they're saying, it doesn't matter. But like, I feel like here, like you and Jess, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, I connect with those people. And then you talk about things I might have maybe ignored. Um, sell me on personal development. I feel like I honestly think for the first time, I've never thought of it until you just said, it. I was like, I think I should do some of that. Amazing. I mean, I feel like one of my life missions is to sell people on personal development. And even the term personal development isn't quite right. Like I could see why even that term would rub you the wrong way. Because to me, that makes me think of like some weird macho dude waking up at 4am and going for a run while he like listens to like I'm a winner over and over again in his headphones. Like that's what it makes me think of. And that's not what I would recommend. Um, But the personal development, really what it is, is like deep transformational work, which is what EMDR is. It's all, once you get into it, like Buddhism, meditation, even yoga, EMDR, they really are all different ways of getting to the same place. They're just like different signposts, but they're all pointing to the same thing. So if someone doesn't resonate with you, like if that signpost just like is not in your language or you don't like it, that's fine. It's nice to find the stuff that you like. Um, I don't really like Tony Robbins either. I like what I like his messaging. I agree with what he's doing. I watched that documentary and I was like, I would, I would do that. Like I would go to that thing, but I like, I like really intense stuff. Um, but you just have to kind of see what you like. I think you might like Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. Mm. Um, that book was my like gateway into getting into this stuff. And the reason I like him and also Pema Chodron is because they're somewhat, Pema is like a full on Buddhist. Eckhart Tolle is more new age, but they're, they're similar in the way that it's really no bullshit. It's not like about pretending everything's great when it's not. And they're not making themselves heroes. They have a great sense of humor and they're like, you know, it, it allows you to look at the stuff that you've worried about that doesn't matter and actually see that it's kind of funny. And I think that's the best type of transformation and growth work. So I would recommend When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron and The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And just start with those two and see how you like their voices. Um, and let me know. And I can like either send you more or similar or different if you don't like them. But reading the power of now was a really big turning point for me. And actually someone gave me that book when I was in college, because I think she was really nice and could see that I was like clearly insane. (laughs) And I got the book and I looked at one page and I was like, no, I don't think so. And I put it away and then I picked it up like a year later. So you have to be ready for it. Yeah. And that's what they talk about this in the mind explained the, but about this, the microdosing one as well. And this is true for EMDR and hypnosis or all this stuff but it only works if you want it to work and we don't know why and 
that was always a hang up for my therapist is tell me the greatest trick thing was he goes, the placebo effect is still in effect. And I was like, yes. He's like, so, and for, I think my own personal beliefs for problems in the past were having to know how the things work and that, and not being able to, and just kind of being, he's like, Hey, you get on an airplane, you don't know how that works. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess I could figure it out, but I'm not gonna, but like, it just, I don't know. So something about like the EMDR, I kind of had to get over the fact. It's like, I, I know technically, I know hypothetically why we think this works, but I, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it happen. And it, it's been yeah. really great. Now I know that like, that's really good stuff as well, the Eckhart and everything. And now have, do you, what is, is there like a balance of like the type of like, in terms of like career wise, do you find like personal development that still kind of lines up with these kind of values and like, I, I, I get like, I know Brene probably being, being one of them, but anything like that, yeah. I know, like, I know it, we talked a little bit, you mentioned, I remember it was being so curious. I actually wrote this down because I remember I wanted to ask you about this. You said that Eric, I believe everyone should do EMDR therapy and the landmark form, which seem <laughs> opposing things. I don't know what the landmark form is, but I went to landmark college. So it always makes me think of that. But so uh, what, what is the landmark form and how, how do you, why, why should everyone do that and EMDR? Or okay. Special? Yeah, I'm obsessed with the Landmark Forum. And if you've heard of the Landmark Forum, a lot of people think it's a cult because the people who do it are obsessed with it and they want everyone to do it, but they don't get paid, which I, I think is what people find culty because if they're like, if you're not a paid rep, why are you so into me doing this? Um, I love the Landmark Forum. Like all of this other stuff though, you need to be open to it and want to do it. We um, had employees do it because it was so incredibly transformational for us, me and Jess personally, but also professionally. I mean, the numbers, you can look at our top line P&L numbers before and after the forum and the spike in revenue is like, it's incredible. I mean, and that is actually, and I'm very numbers driven and like goal oriented and money motivated and a client of ours um, who I love, who is a wealth planner for women. She's the one who got us to do it because I told her my story about what happened to my dad. And she was like, ah, have you heard of the landmark forum? It's going to help yeah. you let go of your past. And I was like, ah, I'm good. And then she was like, and my husband attributes $2 million in yearly revenue to the landmark forum. And I was like, I'm in. So I went to make more money, but then you always actually end up like, you know, fixing your relationships with your family. And then you find out that was the way to make more money was to get all that stuff complete. So the landmark forum is a three day. It's very intense. It goes from like 9am to like, like 10 p.m. I think for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's a conversation. Someone leads the conversation, the forum leader, and they introduce these concepts. It's a very Buddhist, very Buddhist concepts. And then people have an opportunity. They can come to the mic and they can share. Um, you sit next to different people every time and you share. And the conversation is really, really incredible. And basically it helps you get your past complete. So all that stuff that's incomplete for you that you keep bringing into the future, like even, you know, when you were eight years old, someone said something to you and you internalize that as like, this is who I am. And then have been playing that out in your thirties and forties and fifties, like, professionally and personally and it's incredible the way that people really do that so they help you get it complete so that you can create whatever you want in that empty space for your life so like as a non-business person is not is it not is it only for entrepreneurs or is it i guess that was i only knew about it from you and jess's like from 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 like from you know 
following you two online, so I just assumed it was like entrepreneur based. So no, it's for anyone. It's not just entrepreneurs. It's it's a it's not a professional development. It is a personal development. But a lot of, I mean, entrepreneurship is like the biggest personal development journey you could ever go in. That's why like all entrepreneurs are obsessed with personal development and peak performance because our biggest, you know, the thing that is going to give us the most money and the most success is us and how we're performing. So all of that mindset stuff, all of that work needs to be happening all the time because we can become our own biggest bottleneck. But really that stuff is great for everyone. And Landmark really is for everyone. I love it. I had my mom do it. I Uh had my best friend in San Francisco do it because they have all over the world. They have centers. Like I, I love it. You know, it's funny because especially with everything happening right now, there's like the talk, like um, it, capitalism essentially it's there's kind of this belief that either like you're a capitalist and you have to make money and destroy everyone but you and Jess seem to be like the guiding principle of like you could make money hopefully I make hopefully a lot of money and still be good people and treat others right and it almost seems like this would be a better version of capitalism where everyone succeeds and then you give back as well but and, and I guess that seems to be really true I remember because, you know, our, our mutual friend, uh, Aaron Alexander, and I used to work together, and she had connected. I remember we were working together, and at one point, I remember interview connections, like, you, um, for, by choice, offered health insurance to, like, your employees, by, just by choice. It wasn't, like, you're mandated and, and stuff. And I was just like, man, that is just, you know, especially now you can see where people's true colors are coming out, where you have companies who are, like, we don't have to get into what's really happening now. Screw that. But it, that, that, that stuff, like, though, people don't realize, like, you can be a good business person. And it sounds like that stuff you, I just never thought that, I know, I just assumed that Landmark Farm was more, you kind of really are getting my gears going here. I, I, I'm, I'm, that's great to hear. Um, that's so cool. Huh. So um, personal development. So that's more of a personal development. And then, what, 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 what are things like our professional development? Actually, let, let me change gears. Cause now another thing is you, um, you're working in the podcast industry, which is fucking incredible. But on top of that, you're doing it in Rhode Island, which at least actually now, believe it or not, there is an industry that for a long time, it was, you were the only game in town. I mean, for so long, my goal was to uh, leave my job to come work for you guys, uh, for you ladies, but then by, by the fortunes of got uh, for whatever a company merged and I got enough of a uh, raise or, yeah, life gets in the way, but, but, but so stuff like that, but like, how do you, how are you handling the industry as a whole right now? I mean, it's so new and we're having this happen, but it seems like you, you all have all been really kind of prepared for this, for the virus and just changes and weathering the storm. Do you think that's because you all started at the ground level where it was so much uncertainty? I think there's always a lot of uncertainty owning a business. We are based in Rhode Island, but primarily our clients have never been in Rhode Island. I mean, we have a couple Rhode Island clients, but mm. we, we, because we work with people virtually, yeah. um, it's, it's, we are based in Rhode Island. Our whole team is in Rhode Island, which is kind of cool. Um, but purpose, our, correct? Yes. Yeah. And you went out of your way to give back to the community or just ha- having the in-person like that's I, 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 like we were talking about before, but maybe I'm going to guess for both your personalities, that was something that's good for your, was maybe it was a business decision or more of a good for my soul, good for the business decision. It, it's really both because by having 
in-house employees with benefits who were in person in the office um, who we could communicate with. It did make the service much better for our clients, which was really important, but also that culture is important to us as well. And especially now being able to create jobs in Rhode Island is very important. And the, yeah, and which is so, yeah, thank us Rhode Islanders say thank you for that as well. But, but it seems like, do you find that you and Jess are, when you're leading as business leaders in this, this industry, um, I know money is, you're a business owner, so that's definitely a huge piece of it, but it does sound like your decision-making seems to be a little more well-rounded, which might be a better guiding principle for how you two have been operating. Yeah, I would say it's definitely both. Integrity is really, and one of the like main things from Landmark is the importance of integrity, not just like morally, but doing what you say you're going to be doing and like being fully transparent is really important to both of us. So it's, it's really both because if you build a business in a way that's like hurting other people, eventually the other shoe is going to drop and you kind of know that. So even if you're doing really well, you feel that fear of like, you know, it's something's coming for you. Like, mm. so it, it's a much better way to build, but we also are like, you know, money motivated. We want our entire team to make a lot of money. We want our clients who are small business owners who we book on podcasts to make more money by getting out there on podcasts. And honestly, it's never been more important for small businesses to succeed, to keep the economy going for everyone. Um, yes. So I really think it's both, but I do think that a lot of people have ideas about making money that it's negative. And I think that's problematic because I think it hurts people who are really good and compassionate and should be the ones with money because the ones with money are the ones with power. They hold themselves back from making money because they think it's bad. And I think that's part of why we see kind of the less good people with money because they're not holding themselves back. But I think if people could get over that, like, for example, my income goal in my first year owning the business was that I wanted to make enough money that I could adopt a special needs dog because they're really expensive. I mean, it's shockingly, it's, it's more expensive than if I were to like buy a car, you know, over like a few, it's really expensive. Wow. And so it takes a lot of money. Like this dog, he, you know, it's $2,500 for him to get an MRI mm -hmm. and he's got neurological problems. He's got health problems. And there's so many pets out there, like just for one example, that need adopters who have money, who have income that they can use on something like that. So I think money is really important. And if more people who are good people and compassionate people could kind of get over their money mindset blocks and get out there and make money in a way that's in integrity and spend money. And I think it would be good and we'd see a shift in power because the people who have the money are the ones with the power. Are you my therapist? <laughs> Cause you get, I'm not even kidding how many things, cause that was one of the biggest things that came from like the podcast. Like that was one of the, weird, I, yeah, I had a lot of those issues you talked about. It was like, uh, yeah, you, you kind of, I, everything you said, I can, I can't even tell you how much I relate to that, which, I feel like now I took about a while, like, yeah, I don't know if you call it fear of success or whatever it was, but there's, I grew up in like the punk rock scene. There's like this like guilt to it, but then you're, I, I completely understand. And now I've actually, my mindset has changed in the last year of, oh. of now kind of like, yeah, maybe I should, yeah, that's, that's wow. That you really kind of, I, that just, it's so odd when someone says exactly what has been in your head, but you couldn't get it out on paper. I, wow. You, yeah, I totally understand that. And I, I actually think that is true because I, 
yeah, I think about that too. Like, you know, there is, there is a weird thing. It's like, you know, I'm not trying to be Jeff Bezos, but I would love to adopt a special needs dog. You know, it's, it's, I guess maybe, maybe it's not even just having money. It's money with purpose, money to have a family yeah. or a dog or whatever, or vacations or, you know, it doesn't buy happiness, but it does buy a nice ass TV. Yeah. And it, money just magnifies whatever's there, whatever your mission is. So people who aren't good people who make a lot of money, it magnifies that. But if good people are making money, it's magnifying their impact, especially now, like you can afford to spend as much money as possible in local businesses right now and getting gift cards and stuff. And that has a huge impact on those people and their family. So yes, I would love to see people shift their mindset. And honestly, everyone has money mindset issues. Every single oh, yeah. person and it's just they just keep changing so you break through that level and then you hit the next plateau and then you have to break through your next money mindset issue now so if someone likes listening like what type of people do you does interview connections work with like if someone's listening to this and like they feel connected to you and I'm hoping that this you know someone will like like hey I want to work with you what what type of people is it for hobbyists or for people and it's a little more entrepreneur business based is my guess or my understanding Yes, we work with entrepreneurs, which is not to say that like hobbyists and, and people like that can't benefit from guesting. They absolutely can and they should like pitch themselves and get out there. Our, we're very focused and our niche really is entrepreneurs, service-based businesses who can work with clients virtually so they can get clients from any podcast regardless of where the people in the audience are in the world. Um, so service-based entrepreneurs, they're generating six figures or more in annual revenue. That's really important because we are a boutique agency. And if someone is not generating enough revenue that they should really be spending this much money on a, on a, a long-term marketing strategy, we'll tell them that. Um, so really it's like six, seven and eight figure service-based entrepreneurs who are our specialty. Oh, that's so cool. So the, yeah, okay. So like if someone came, so I guess anyone to, to outreach and if it's a, that you, you'll have like a screening and whatnot. I, I, yes. Yeah. My, a good, one of my, my old boss and my like really good friend, uh, Nikolai Bentleno, who's been on a bunch of times, like personal, I always like tell her, cause she's like an entrepreneur. I know you all have very similar personalities. I was like, you would either be best and like, just, just hang out as friends, which now we can't do. But I, I don't, but I was like, one of these days, I know what, what she's building. I think that's really great. Um, man, is it uh, ever such a, do you ever like just sit back and be like, wow, a lot has happened like to get here. I mean, it's not, I mean, I know you mentioned it's unfortunately, you know, I'm so sorry to lose, that you lost your, like your father, but like, you know, there's those things in life that's a flashpoint and like, if, and then everything, you can't, we can't control what happened, but we can only go move forward after. So there it's, I know, that, I know you understand what I'm saying, cause I don't want this to sound insensitive, but it's like, if that, if the worst thing in your life, I would at that time never happened to you. And like, even what we're all going through right now, it can't lead to the best thing in your life. And you just don't know what it is until it, after it happens. Yeah, that's so true. That doesn't offend me at all. That's 100% true. Like I'm a different person than I was before my dad died. I'm a much better person. Um, and I'm actually <laughs> writing a book about literally this. Um, really? And I do talk about EMDR in the book. Um, and about my dad dying and everything that went into motion. And there is data that like going through difficult things, 
can actually help people not only be more successful, but be more fulfilled. Malcolm Gladwell has done research on it and coined the terms eminent orphans because he saw that like 45% of US presidents had lost their father at a young age, which is statistically kind of crazy. Um, it's not what you would expect to see. So they do see, and it's crazy because these things that seem bad, and obviously I loved my dad, like I would not trade him for any type of success yeah, of or fulfillment. But it's incredible that these things that on the surface look like obviously bad, this would have a negative impact on your life, can change into these like incredible breakthroughs that, that change your life for the better because of how you choose to show up. And then things on the surface that seem obviously good, like winning the lottery, we know that there's tons of statistics about how that ends up ruining people's lives. So yes. it, we really don't know what's going to be, what's going to end up being good or bad for us and really how you show up. And if you decide to really let it transform you and work on personal development through it, it, it can be a positive. And at least coming from like more my world and the recovery standpoint, having people like you talking about your experience is, Brene, it's just the vulnerability. It's, it's so helpful because, you know, I'm sure someone's maybe not coming to interview connections and thinking like, I want to talk about a trauma of a loss I had, and I'm going to mm -hmm. guess it doesn't come up every time. But when those conversations, when they do, I know I'm sure they've happened somewhere down the line, you know, when you meet someone who's gone through that thing you went through that you're just like, that stops you dead in your tracks. Um, I'm a big firm believer that you have to hear the same message from different types of people. Like when I'm, I uh, do drug counseling as well, I was actually doing this morning. Uh, I always like talking about like more, sometimes I, I think it's important to have more like males who are doing it to talk about like uh, mindfulness and meditation and yoga as well as then our, my other friend, Amanda, who's doing it and she, she's wonderful, but she looks the part and that's not a bad thing. It's just, you need to kind of hear it from different sources where it tends to start hit, hit in and you know, generally speaking, like business people tend to be just like money, money, money. But the fact that like Margie's talking and like, uh, and like, you know, you talk about all those things that most of the like business people talk about, but then to flip it into like that, it, it helps people. Like your story is so powerful and it's so helpful. So like, it's so great. And I'm, I'm so excited to hear about the book. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's been a crazy process. I've never written a book before. And in December we did the speaking thing that I felt like intuitively I needed to do and just was like, what are you talking about? Like, we're not professional speakers. Why do we need to do a keynote training? But writing that keynote with this incredible speaker coach who we're friends with turned into like developing this book with her that's like runs alongside the keynote. So I, I, I'm honestly just working on getting it pitch ready. I have no idea how to find an agent <laughs> to pitch it. Like I'm not there yet, but it's, it's, it's been really cool. And the reason I want to write the book and the reason I go on podcasts and talk about what happened with my dad and everything is because I do want people to, I love the mother Teresa quote, find someone who believes they're alone and convince them that they're not like, that's my main goal with everything. And I think it's helpful, especially right now where people, maybe they've had a sheltered life and nothing really bad has happened. This pandemic is a lot. So getting out there with that message of like coming out the other side of everything falling apart, I hope is going to be really helpful, especially right now. Are you, are you familiar with the What Cheer Writers Club at all? Yes, a little bit. I, um, I think I follow on Instagram and I know that's where you record. Yeah. That, you know, when we were talking about that, the whole plan was to record mm -hmm. in person and that didn't happen. Uh, now that you have the, A, you have the podcast, but they have a podcast, 
you you should look into that especially okay. for writing um because they have like classes for members even for non-members like you can pay but they'll have like uh i think i'm not even kidding i think like last month they had a they had like how to get an agent and oh my like, gosh like okay have, cool so, so like i hate writing like uh, just it's not my thing so it would ne- that whole place would never have been somewhere i would have thought i could go but then they opened the podcast the pad podcast studio uh they, i got an instant the invite so i went to the studio but in, in, in the fact you'll love it's just beautiful it is the most beautiful building i've ever been in one of the more cool. beautiful it does, it's gorgeous and um it, it's so great and i went to the and i was just i felt so like out of place because like the amount of professionalism that when i was like at the like everyone i talked to that night was like oh, i'm a retired boston journalist uh globe journalist or a new york times writer or this like it was like a professionals, but it's also like people like me. It's like, it's got a little bit of everything, but there's so many resources for you a, on the podcast end, which I know that's a, a thing they're trying to build, but the fact that you're also a writer, I think actually might really kind of tie in because I mean, I can, I, I can, I could see once we're able to go outside and once your book comes out and you go on your, you know, book tours and speaking gigs seems I'm going to guess is in your future. Hopefully. Yeah. Brene, I still. Brene, <laughs> Brene, 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 but, yeah, that would be uh, great <laughs> yeah I, I think you would get a lot out of it and 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 now and I, I know things are going bad but right now they've converted everything to like online like for the and the membership's really cheap they do um cool i, I think it's like the, everything's on slack i think i mean honestly i think i pay five dollars a month and then to rent the studio it's like 10 bucks wow is, if, if you don't own the equipment that's really huge and, yeah and also too if you want to like interview someone who's like not someone you personally know it's better like hey do you want to come to my bedroom than do I come to a professional studio which is usually <laughs> yes the goal which mm-hmm. is always like because in person is always so much more fun uh yeah. that's really cool to hear I'm really happy to hear that and it's it's you know it's it's nice when one like the good one it's like when one of the when one of the good one of the good guys win you know like you know like for like I don't know I you and Jess have always been just so nice and like, and anywhere I'm like, you know, just, you, go, you always root for the good. It's nice when the good, when someone good wins. So I think that's nice. This is, uh, we're putting some good juju out in the world, but I also like it because you're saying all those things that all those people I would have ignored because they were probably very wealthy, but horrible inside, but you're good inside and wanting to make money. And like, I resonate with that much differently than I do to certain business skeezy types, which, you know, is everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. Although I've been surprised from now, like owning a business. Now we're in business masterminds with other business owners. And a lot of them are like, because we have a seven figure business, a lot of them are like seven and eight figure business owners. Mm. And honestly, there is that stereotype of like, oh, the rich business owner doesn't care about anything. But when you're in these masterminds, everybody like has a hot seat. And for at least 30 minutes, generally, they just share what's going on in their business. And I think the average person would be surprised how much they do care and how much they are, how hard it is for them and like how much they really are trying to give back and do all this stuff. And they, they want purpose. And I, I think there's a lot more business owners out there who really are like that, but they kind of get painted in a negative way because they're making money. And a lot of people feel like you can't make money if you're not like ripping someone off and they don't actually see behind the scenes that they actually are like doing what they say they're going to do. Yeah, I know it's great. And and I'm going to guess like people like me, it's probably tied to something else somewhere else in my life that I don't really connect it to. And, 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 and like, why, why am I blocking myself from that? Or why, why do we block our, like, what did you call money? Something you had a word for, it. I forgot what you said, money. 
like a money mindset money issue. Mindset. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really true. So, I mean, I think this help for anyone out there who also has those things is something to explore and definitely myself as well. Um, in terms of the podcasting, how is that affecting with COVID? I know I'm reading that like downloads are down. I just went to this uh, a digital like thing with BRU about advertisers. I know it's a mixture of like, there's like what I read about 800,000 new podcasts have started in the last five weeks. And then people listening is also down 20%. So I'm wondering how you're weathering the industry. Yeah, so far we're doing well. There definitely is, especially we did a launch and COVID got really bad halfway through it. So that we didn't do the sales that that launch should have had based on the number of people in it and our conversions, which are pretty like tested. Um, so there has been an impact in that sense. And obviously economically, every business needs to be really strategic right now because of what the economy is doing and what they're saying it's going to do. But overall, we're in, we're very lucky to be in this industry of booking virtual speaking opportunities for entrepreneurs because professional speakers and entrepreneurs who rely on speaking to get leads or to get their voice out there or to promote their new book have canceled basically a year out, some of them more. So they, people need us more than ever. I think it's nice that we have to do less explaining about why virtual speaking is important because it's kind of a no brainer now. So that's a positive, but there is the added um, challenge of, you know, selling any type of high end marketing in an economic downturn. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's almost like you two had the foresight as if like, not that you knew a pandemic was going to happen, but you're such in a better position because you are, you were set up virtually prior without unintentionally you were set you were just kind of unintentionally set up for the situation in a way and I mean my my theory and from like from reading is my I, I think because podcasting so new I think the big push is gonna I don't know I guess Spotify seems to try right now trying to be the one to get in front of it I think we all have to and it's something I'm working on anyone out there any tips almost you have to like retrain our audience when to listen to podcasts because so much of people are listening when they drive and like. Mm-hmm unless you're like a real podcast like nerd like I am like I listen sometimes I just lie in my bed and listen to them because it helps me sleep or I do dishes so I guess it's a I my, my hope is that the that the our numbers will come back and like like I mean I've done this long enough like, like anything and it seems like interview connections seems to be the same when you're here for like the right reasons you weathered the storm and like you know I've been on podcasts that no longer exist and and that's you know, nothing, no, no problem, but I've had many peaks and valleys of popularity or downloads or whatever, but when you just keep plugging along, like, you know, COVID, this will, either it ends or it doesn't, but you could either be here or not, and either of it, so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's nice to see that you and Jess are like, no, we're, you know, you're, you're here for the long run. Yes. Oh, well, I can't thank you enough for your uh, time. Uh, where can people find you online? Thank you so much. Our website is interviewconnections.com. And then the Facebook group I mentioned, if anyone listening is um, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneur who's looking to leverage virtual speaking on podcasts, um, they can find the Facebook group at interviewconnections.com slash group.